Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to a bonus review. This is Watch Skip Singular. I am Cupcake. This is a spinoff review show from our normal weekly episode of Watch Skip Plus. Straight movie review for a new streaming or theatrical movie. I am Cupcake, and I am here with our guest, Flick Boxer, I believe is what he goes by, but you all know him as Brian. He had guested on our episodes for Amazon Prime's original Samaritan, as well as the Hellraiser episode, and we are back to talk about another streaming horror film. Brian, how have you been? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good, good. Happy New Year. Good to hear from you. Happy New Year. So uh, we are going to be talking about a brand new streaming horror film, which is on, uh, I believe it's streaming exclusively on Peacock. I want to see you peacock, cock, you peacock, <laughs> Sorry, a little, I couldn't resist. Every time I hear peacock, that's that's what <laughs> I think of. I think of that Katy Perry song. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, streaming exclusively on Peacock. The horror film is called Sick, and it is from the writer of the Scream films, Kevin Williamson. Brian, do you have any experience with Kevin Williamson's other work besides Scream, or are you just a big Scream fan? Uh, well, I'm a big Scream fan. Um, you know, I, I hit at the right time. Just getting out of high school, uh, so it was just a, a nice callback. Uh, I, I loved it from the, from the jump. Of course, the I Know What You Did films, I uh, can't ignore those. Those are great. Uh, well, some of them are great. Some of them maybe not so great. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen the later one. Uh, and maybe that's bet for the best. Yeah. And uh, the faculty, big fan of that. That That's, you know, a great uh, classic as well. Which I date myself calling it a classic. Cursed. <laughs> I may be one of the few people that can tolerate Cursed. And I mean, what? How can you not like a movie where a werewolf gives somebody the middle finger? Hey, it's you yeah. Know, that, that's kind of <laughs> I yeah. I think it for the campiness that it had. I think there's a lot of uh, sort of negative reaction to Cursed, and I think I think there's a vocal contingent of people that want to see the sort of director's cut because I think there was a lot of reshoots and studio intervention over the story. Um, but yeah, Cursed is. I may be joining you on that on that uh, liking the liking cursed more than others. Actually, <laughs> have you seen any of Williamson's uh, television shows? He's believe it or not, he actually created a bunch of television shows. So the CW had a show called Glory Days, which is sort of like a pseudo horror television series, and then there was Hidden Palms. He also was behind ABC's Wasteland about struggling actors in L.A., the recent Stalker with Maggie Q and Dylan McDermott, and then, of course, The Following, which was on Fox, which Mm -hmm. I hear involved elements of potential Scream sequels, but that he had sort of uh, folded into uh, that that television show, The Following with Kevin Bacon. Um, Had you seen any of those? Yes, the following I, I watched that uh, when it came out. It was I enjoyed the heck out of it. I was a big Kevin Bacon fan, so of course I had to look for that. It, it meandered as it went further on, and um, you know, rightfully got canceled eventually. But at the beginning, it was a really, really strong series that had a lot of cult 
influences uh, with the uh, the main protagonist in there or antagonist rather was uh, very like cult based for yeah. the uh, serial killer who was yeah. um oh, man his name his name's escaping me right now he played Solomon Kane yes James Purefoy love that actor James Purefoy yeah. Thank you. Thanks for saving me with that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was also in Resident <laughs> Evil, the first Resident Evil. He's a great actor. Yes. Yep. Uh, Fantastic. So it was a really strong series from the gate. And um, I Williamson, I knew also from Vampire Diaries, which was also on CW. Yep. Uh, that was a big show in my household because both my daughters loved Vampire Diaries. My uh, wife, Sandy, loves Vampire Diaries. So, yes, all three uh, of the ladies in my house loved vampire diaries and still do uh so yeah. much so that my wife bought me the brothers bond which is man ian summerhold and i can never remember the other the other guy's name both both the guys from the uh series created a bourbon called uh, brothers bond oh fantastic bourbon uh first uh bottle out the shoot of course sandy Knowing that I love bourbon is always got my back in that respect. She orders me a bottle, sends it, and you know gets it sent to the house, and it's fantastic. So uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, that'll be my my recommend for uh, alcohol for <laughs> this show, uh, which got I it. seem to be bringing up all the time. I'm a big Scotch guy, big bourbon guy. I've said it before. Or so, yeah. You're you're always going to get a recommendation for a good good liquor out of me. Because <laughs> I enjoy and I like little niche, uh, niche things like the uh, the brothers and yeah familiar with most of his work. Nice. Uh, the other actor is Paul Wesley, by the way. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just a just a couple more below the line people. We have our director for Sick is John Hyams, who is the son of the legendary director Peter Hyams, who in the 70s and 80s, he had such great movies. I'm looking at Outland. I'm looking at Running Scared. Um, mm. He's also done some other uh, genre stuff. I, th I feel like he directed End of Days. That was the sort of like uh, Schwarzenegger versus the devil thing, which was kind of cool. Time Cop, etc. John Hyams himself, uh, he has about 25 directing credits, uh, according to IMDb. He is widely regarded as reviving the Universal Soldier franchise with a, shall we say, battle-worn JCVD. Uh, so yes. Hyams directed Universal Soldier Regeneration and then its sequel, Day of Reckoning. I still haven't seen them, but I hear they're great. Yeah? Are they amazing? I saw I saw Regeneration. Um, I haven't watched Day of Reckoning yet, uh, but that's exactly where I knew John Hyams from. I like his, um, of course, his you know his dad too. Just to jump back to that for a second, we just glossed over Time Cop and End of Days, which you know that's two of my you know favorite films. I love Arnold versus the Devil. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, and the, the fact is like I'm a goddamn you're a goddamn choir boy. You know. <laughs> Nice, nice. Oh, and I can't forget Sudden Death, which uh, yes, they uh, they remade that on Netflix, and it was kind of miserable, but enjoyable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Sudden Death, fantastic. Um, oh, and Hyams directed the sequel to 2001, 2010. Yes, 2010, yeah, yes. Which is mm -hmm. uh, pretty pretty fantastic. And yeah, then I our... to get a little love online uh, recently as a, as a kind of you know, stoke the flames under that again to be like, hey, that's not such a bad sci-fi sequel. We maybe want to, you know, watch it again. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe we could get a, 
maybe we could get not a bomb to <laughs> to do that. <laughs> That'd be um, awesome. Our director of photography is a gentleman named Yaron Levy. He has a bunch of cinematography credits. 2009's direct-to-video Night of the Demons. I feel like that film has been remade like three times over, but that was one of them. Scott Adkins's El Gringo. Uh, he also shot the mm-hmm. aforementioned Day of Reckoning with Hyams, Getaway with Ethan Hawke and Selena Gomez, and Jay and Silent Bob's reboot, which I have not seen, but if it's anything like yes. Clerks 3, I don't think I'm going to enjoy. Um, oh. But I know Yaron Levy from his stellar cinematography on television shows. So he has done CW's Valor, USA Network's Shooter, and The Purge. He also did Netflix's uh, Black Summer, which Hyams had a hand in creating as well. And then if anybody's ever seen this show that was on sci-fi, that was it only ran one season, unfortunately. But it's so fun and ludicrous and out there. It's called Blood Drive, and Yaron Levy shot that entire season. It stars Alan Richson, and it's... Uh, it's a little bonkers. I, I'm not sure why it got canceled. Well, I know why it got canceled. It's a little <laughs> ludicrous, but it's a fun watch. Have you ever seen that, Blood Drive? No. I And, you know, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't because when I saw all the trailers and stuff for it, I, I was so pumped. I'm like, this is great. This is a, it's, it's a grindhouse TV yeah. show. Yep. Uh, so it's right up my alley. And for whatever reason, whether it was I had too much stuff going on at the time or other shows that I was invested in, I never sat down to watch it. And the next thing I knew, I'm like, they're canceling this thing. And I think it probably suffered from a lot of what I did where it's like, oh, that looks kind of cool. I'm going to check it out. But it wasn't, you know, enough to make me check it out day one. And if there's other people out there that were like me that did the same thing, it became a two week ignore, three week ignore. Next thing you know, you're hearing about it getting canceled. I think it's it's probably so streaming somewhere, but definitely try to try to catch it. It's uh, it's it's kind of fun, kind of fun. Okay, so I think our our spoiler free section is probably going to be a a little truncated, just because I don't think you can discuss this movie with this this horror film without like spoiling a bunch of it. I'm just gonna tease some of the cast because I think when I found out certain people were in it. I was like waiting for him to show to show up on screen, and I think that kind of ruins some stuff too. But uh, before we get into our spoiler-free thoughts about the film, let me just re- uh, read the description on IMDb. Due to the pandemic, Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone, or so they think. Our leads are Gideon Adlon. She is the daughter of Pamela Adlon, who stars in a really great FX show called Better Things. Please check that out. The other lead is Bethlehem Million. She plays Miri. And then Dylan Sprayberry is the male lead. People probably know him most. He was on Teen Wolf, but he also played the young Clark Kent in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, which is where I knew him from. I didn't really quite fall into the whole uh, Teen Wolf thing, although I, I do want to revisit that. And it runs about 80, 83 minutes, so it's a it's a very quick horror thriller. I'll start with you, Brian. What are your spoiler-free thoughts on Sick? Should people be streaming this and watching it? Um, I was glad I did. Uh, I'll I'll start with that. Um, I was I went in completely cold. I didn't do any research on it whatsoever. Didn't even look other than the fact that I had heard that it was direct or uh, written by Williamson didn't look any further into it than that. 
And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot just based on that, which I'm sure a lot of people did. And like I said, I'm, I'm glad that I gave it a shot because it made me feel or was evocative of the early 90s slashers, but set in a present day setting. So that's probably the elevator pitch that yeah. was given. <laughs> um, and if it was, it, you know, it worked. Think that I like the fact that it's only 83 minutes or whatever it is because it needed to be nice and tight and get through what it needed to get through to establish what was going on and then hit the ground running. Most good slashers do that, but there, if you get too bogged down by minutiae, you're going to lose your audience who's there for, you know, a roller coaster ride. So I definitely was on board with it being short. Spoiler free, which I know we say is probably going to be hard. It doesn't spoil anything, but um, I would say that this film wears a lot of its heart on its sleeve where I, Williamson, and I think he's you know, he's done this on more than one occasion at this point, but very heavily so in this, where it's an homage to other uh, slashers that are out there, including his own. So I, I was I, I started watching the film and I'm like, can you homage yourself? Like, yeah. that's still homage, or is that just, or are you just remaking the same thing? But it didn't feel as, I guess, cannibalistic as you would think, because there's an up, you know, it's an updated uh, device. So I don't yeah. think it's a spoiler to say instead of a phone call, there's a text message. Um, but it, it leads to very familiar territory at the beginning of the film of, of characters uh, receiving a uh, a message from someone that he doesn't know who the person is. That's very reminiscent of the beginning of Scream and every Scream, you know, since then um, that you have a caller that you don't know, um, which is also, you know, like all the other horror movies that came before that, that did that, where the call was coming from inside the house, you know, um, but it was done in a, enough of a way um, nice. that it didn't feel like that it was too much. So, yeah, I mean, eh, the thing that I liked about it that I think if they if they waited too long to make something like this, I don't think that it would have came across as strong as it did. So right. we're three three years removed from the pandemic. Everyone, it's still fresh in your mind as to all the stuff that you had to go through. You had to, you know, oh my God, they're out of toilet paper. Oh my God, people are coughing in line and everybody's the cough police you know um yeah th th things like that where you're going oh my god you know go hey where's your mask uh thank you know all those things that we all had to endure um throughout um going through this pandemic where we all kind of learned how to deal with uh <laughs> with uh covid and it was so if you waited too long i don't we kind of would have been like oh yeah yeah i remember that stuff but it's still fresh enough now to where you're like it still gets the laugh it's supposed to get or it still gets the cringe it's supposed to get. Uh, so I think the timing on it was was good to release this right about now. I think if you did it before, it might have been seen as kind of like you'd have too many people still feeling a certain kind of way. And I don't think it would have landed as well with uh, some of the, the jokes or some of the, you know, just the, hey, remember this type stuff, yeah. nostalgia, that stuff played well. What about the what about the thrills and kills and gore? Did you did right, you think that that was and, that was good? Because I don't want to spoil too much. But as far as an overall, I think that the uh, yeah the the kills were actually really um, surprising in some respects because I wasn't sure how much they were going to go for it. 
I know it's streaming, and but I wasn't sure are they going to go more in line with what we've kind of seen before from a Williamson film, or you know how vicious are they going to get? And some of them were actually pretty cruel, uh, and they were done really nice. Uh, one in one in particular, I'm not sure exactly about the physics of it, which <laughs> we can get to once we get to the spoilers, because I was kind of yeah. like wondering what they were what they were doing with it. And then when I saw the reveal of like what was going on, I'm like, I'm not really sure that that works the way they think it works. But again, <laughs> yes. the finale of that kill was well worth it because then you get the money shot and blood's going everywhere. So, right. Um, and yeah, uh, so, do you think they wrap, do you think without spoiling it, do you think at the end of it, that the end point was worth it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it was, and I'll I'll be able to get into it more when we get into the spoilers, but I think that the ending was worth the journey, even though I think points of the journey were worth more than the ending, if that makes sense. Got it. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. What about uh, you? What do you, <laughs> what'd you think? Yeah, so I, um, I don't know. I think, I, I think the short running time definitely works in its favor. I will uh, start to criticize it a little bit more because the more I thought about some of the things that were going on, I was like, wait, what? But <laughs> but I did like that the film adequately used the fears and anxiety of COVID and what we were all sort of going through. Um, you mentioned calling back to other horror films. So obviously Scream, I'm getting The Strangers, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There are some nice visual and plotting homages to that as well. I think they set you up by giving you something that that feels familiar, but then they turn it on you and sort of subvert some of your expectations. I mean, all the horror tropes are there, and some of it is, you know, exactly what Williamson was lampooning in, you know, all the Scream movies about a generation that, that's aware of, like, horror films. But there's enough here that feels new and fresh that I just sort of went with it, and I loved it. I, I it was it was a fun breezy watch. So yeah, it's for me it's definitely uh a watch. So and it's a watch for you, I, I assume. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would say it's it's on the higher ladder of, of watch, definitely. Especially for a streamer. And I know I've said this before when I've said stream versus when you're going to the theater, but if you're sitting at home and you've already got the subscription, there's no excuse for you now not to watch this. If you're a horror fan, even if you're not a horror fan. And you, you know, um, and maybe like scream, but you don't like hardcore horror. It's definitely a watch, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think there was much promotion. I mean, I got an email. I want to say Wednesday or Thursday that was like, check out this new horror movie from the creator of Scream, and I'm like, what? So it's it's sort of like they just kind of dropped it on us. But yeah, there's there's no reason not to stream it. And I will say I will say two things, and then we'll move on to the the spoilers. One. I will unfortunately lump this in with like lesser Williamson. So it's not a scream. It's not a faculty. It's more along the lines of like, an I know or a cursed, but that shouldn't stop people from watching it because it, it, it is fun. It is pretty thrilling. And then if I went to the movie theaters to see this, I think I, it would still be a watch recommendation if I had paid to see this on screen, because I can imagine an audience sort of, you know, falling out of their seats, screaming at some points in this because it's, it's oh fun. yeah, 
it's fun. Absolutely. I, I, I think I, I'd be in the, I'm in the same boat. Uh, uh, and I don't think it's actually a slight to call it. And I, I know, um, I don't, or, or, or on the level of cursed because both of those I saw in the theater as well. I'd see this in the theater. Um, I'd yeah. actually like to see it with an audience, um, for this, the reasons that you bring up, because I think there's some excellent moments in here that are some legit jump scares that they pulled off really well. Oh yeah. Um, where I and some really great like, tension and suspense as well. Yes. So I, I think it's, it's a nice little, nice little flick. I, I really, I can find some things wrong with it, but I can't find too much wrong with it. I was gonna say it's kind of brilliant marketing that, you know, it, it takes place in the pandemic when we're isolated and you're streaming it at home when you're isolated, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's almost, it's almost brilliant marketing in some ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. If they put more into the marketing. <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. So I don't think I don't think this was on anybody's radar, honestly. Yeah. Which I think that's probably the biggest travesty about this thing right now that I you know, the more we talk about it is it's a shame, yeah, that they didn't push it a little bit harder. I mean, I don't who knows why within the whole streaming thing, I'm still trying to figure out their their whole idea, their whole um set up what goes to uh theaters and what uh gets streamed, but for this to be something that's actually pretty legit and it's got pedigree behind it with Williamson, why, why not usher it out? I mean, for you, you they've put out much worse. So I yes. can't, uh, can't exactly. figure out that move, but um, yeah, either way, still recommend it. <laughs> yep. All right. So I think that's uh, basically watch recommendations from both of us. And if you have not mm-hmm. seen sick directed by John Hyams starring Gideon Adlon streaming on Peacock. You're going to want to turn us off because we're going to spoil this in about three, two, one. So what do you think about the concept of these people going insane and blaming her for the death of their son through COVID? I thought that that hook was pretty fucking fantastic. I dug it. I really dug it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I can't agree more. Uh, That that It just... It was a heck of a reveal why they were doing what they were doing. Yeah, a stroke of genius because we have all been in a position because we all went through this pandemic together where you saw someone that was doing something that you questioned. You're like, are you serious right now? Like, that's what you're doing? Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, mofo. What are you doing? Well, yeah. are you out of your mind? I like the, the juxtaposition that at the beginning – when they they did the opening scene versus the 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 end reveal was such a great bookend to me because at the beginning you're seeing okay you're out of toilet paper you got the mom who's like uh, you know give me that give me that box of tissues how dare you i have children i have children at home you know so she's and then you have the girl coughing in line where everybody looks at her like the cough police like i said earlier like oh christ get away from her that's it you know yeah. and then you had the people, hey, where's your mask, bro? Like, so everybody was mask shaming everybody, you know, at, at every chance they could. Look at that person not wearing their mask right. Look at this person not even wearing a mask. Look at that person wearing two masks. Like, you you couldn't pick, you know, um, you couldn't, or I'm sorry, you couldn't, like, look in a crowd without being able to pick out multiple people that you could point out, like, they're not doing it right. They're not doing it right. And that was part of the thing that a lot of people did during the pandemic, you know? Like, yeah. They, so, they, so they had that, and then you had the other end of it. 
you know, where that kind of made you laugh, where you're like, okay, look at people being ridiculous because knowing what we know now versus what we knew then, there's certain things that you're like, well, that was completely useless. Then there's other things that were like, no, that was practical and shame on those people for not doing it because they put other people at risk. Even though there's a kill at the beginning of the movie, it was kind of played a little more lighthearted. By the end, it's like, okay, now the chickens came home to roost. There's real world consequences to not doing what you probably should have been doing and yeah. just taking it as a, well, you know what? I'm all right. Everybody's all right. It's no big deal. And that how that affects others that you didn't even realize. So I thought that was a neat little, you know, juxtaposition bookend to it. We've heard all heard horror stories and, you know, I feel bad for any, you know, like I can't imagine going through something like that. And I know, you know, thousands of people had to, you know, do it where they had a loved one that got, you know, sick from an interaction that they had no idea about. So for that to be the hook as to why you know, that makes your villains relatable, which is the backbone of any good like horror or villain in general like any any slasher if you can make the villain relatable then you're good then you got you got a good story on your hand because then you're yeah. gonna understand you're gonna sympathize just enough you know right and then you know there's that can we talk about that crazy scene where she's rode across the lake she's like jumped up and down on the the wood dock uh, avoiding knives she's gone through a house somebody's been murdered in front of her the guy's ready to kill her she runs mm -hmm. up to this car and the woman is like oh you can't get in until you have a mask where's your mask and it's sort That's of like great. it's like i i started laughing at that scene but then i was like wait a minute mm -hmm. we've that's not so far fetched like we we went through that it's not you at know? all yeah and so oh, yeah. I mean, it's and then she's like, "Oh, wait! I think I have another mask." And then, you know, when you realize, you know, there's chloroform in that mask, and she gets knocked out. It's like, "Oh God, here we go! Act three. This is amazing." But like, yeah. Well, you, you know, know why that reveal was so awesome, though, to me is so. Um, her name. Do you you remember what her name was? It's it's Pamela. Her name's Pamela. This final girl finds her. She's the Mrs. Voorhees of this movie so it's a meta com you know it's another level of being meta where your your person who you thought was going to save you just right. like in the original friday the 13th which this being released on friday the 13th like that's why like with the marketing thing we're talking about it just blows my mind because there's so many homages to friday the 13th in this but that one was right on the nose where her name's pamela she's the final girl is running for her life, runs into her, thinks she's going to get saved. And it's like, no, actually, we've now met this, you know, story's version of Mrs. Voorhees. And because her son was taken from her which, through someone's negligence and not, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. This woman's yeah. son was taken from her because of the negligence and someone not doing what they're supposed to do. And so the parallels and the, you know, are there. And then I'm like, oh, you know, that's that's. That's kind of a cool thing, but it's kind of it's kind of brilliant, that. actually. It's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> and yeah, then, it's, uh, it's such a great homage. Like, and I almost was like, is it too on the nose? Is it is it? And then it's like, no, you know what? Because it was done in such a way that you didn't realize it. Like, if she had come out and go, oh, I'm Pamela so and so, I would immediately known her name was Pamela, and it probably as a horror fan, obviously would have hit right away. But right. then. You know, for it not, like, you didn't know her name until her husband screaming her name, like, Pamela, where are you at? And then I'm like, oh, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. Like, and I like did, that. And did you nice get his name? <laughs> his name's Jason, which yes. I was like, okay, <laughs> I would have liked it even better if this the kid that, you know, maybe that was, that's pushing the envelope a little too far. But if her son who was killed's name was Jason or the older son who was, you know, killed in the house, his name was yeah. Jason. But yeah, it's, which I don't think we ever, I think they said the other son's name, but, um, cause the yeah, other son was Logan. I didn't I quite think. get the other son's name, but yeah. So, but yeah, his name's Jason. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm like, all right. So, and at that point I'm going, all right. I'm waiting for, is he going to throw in a line about the McKenzie's house or something? Like, you know, is he going to, is he really going to dive this deep into like the, the meta thing that kind of ties scream and, and Friday the 13th and like all this stuff in together, like, hey, you know, cause it can get a little overwhelming. If every line is an homage or, a, or, a, or a tip of the hat to something it get, you're, you're going to overstay your welcome with that stuff. Yeah, but I think he's done just enough. Right. But he did at least, he did at least have her row across the way to the neighbors to try to get help so there was at least Mm -hmm. that too which was a lot of fun and and um you know the other so when we talk about thinking too much about the film it's supposed to take place i think april of 2020 and so at the end when pamela pulls out the home test to test her i'm like we didn't get those until like december of like 2020 <laughs> like the at home yeah. tests and stuff so that's a little yes, that was yes. a little anachronistic but you know mm-hmm. it is what it is it it still yep. worked <laughs> i'll forgive it because yes it makes it goes with the with the uh the it makes the end tension a little just that much more and you, yeah. you need that to be able to say oh okay yes look sweetheart you are positive you're asymptomatic ah, it's like oh what we were all fearing oh my god i know at least i was like my thing i was one of the people that you know didn't get didn't come down with covid for a, a long long time um i will say that i believe i did have it before the news of the pandemic broke in february of 2020 having coming down with what they thought was the flu and i had to mask yeah. up anyway because it was the flu and everything but i, I went same through way. every symptom you could think of with uh covid and it, it happened i was in a it's funny because it parallels with this with i'm in the grocery store some guy's coughing his head off by the lunch meet i'm like oh nope i'm out of here i'm not dealing with that i don't need to get the yeah. flu or anything sure exactly. enough i i i can't say i caught it from him but like a day or two later i'm i'm sick and i'm like oh. so and then all right. this stuff comes out but with those uh with the tests it's definitely uh <laughs> yeah yeah, they, they, it, it definitely served the story point. Yeah, it served the story point, but historically that would not have been happening. But, you know, no. the other I think the other criticism that I have of the film would be that they don't exactly give you the pieces so you can put it together. Like as as the people were coming in and sort of chasing everybody and the boyfriend shows up and and we think maybe he's part of it, part of it and then he's not, there's that sort of shock kill which we'll get to. They never tell mm-hmm. you who Joel Courtney is from the beginning, right? So so what's weird is Joel Courtney, he's the young actor in the beginning who is who is murdered. He was in Super 8, J.J. Abrams' Super 8 as a kid. He was popular from the Kissing Booth um, movies. Also yeah. had a CW show as well. But like, so they never really build up what their connection is to his character. And so as all of those things were going on, I was like, okay, 
who is the person in the beginning and why have we not heard like who that is? And, and I think if there's any criticism of the screenplay, it's that they just sort of give you this stuff. And I guess it's good that they don't really telegraph what's going on because when she shows, when he shows her the Instagram of him kissing a boy, we think it's in the context of like, you know, I want to be with you. I don't want to do this like non-committal thing, but it's, it's the, it's the piece of the puzzle as to why the people are doing what they're doing. So in some ways, I think it was good that they hid some of that information, but even I was thinking, well, what's his, what's their connection to this other person, right? Um, Yeah. How'd you feel about that? I wondered to myself when they showed that, uh, brief glimpse on the phone of the uh the instagram i'm like Mm. is that that kid from the beginning and it was in the back of my mind but then as the movie kept going on i'm like all right even if that was what's the what's the deal like is this i thought it was more of a misdirect for um for dj like to make you think that he was the killer because he shows her the picture on instagram and i thought like oh okay so this they're going to do this. Like, it's going to be a basic, like, Hey, I'm not the killer, but I am the killer. I'll scream, you know, like the your boyfriend's the killer, even though he's saying yeah. he's not, and he looks like, you know, everything's on the up and up. So that's what I thought that that he, you know, when he showed her that I thought that was the road they were going down, which I love that misdirect. I don't know if it would have tipped the hat too much if they showed more of it, but yeah. I know what you're saying because it may not have been a lot of dominoes that were missing, but maybe like one or two, that yeah. could have been put in there so this way everything fell neatly into place where I, it feels just a just a tad disjointed um where you didn't you didn't get from a to b as smoothly as you wanted to so i i, I can see where you're coming from although that they did have that picture there it, it, yeah i don't think it was enough you could have had something else linking or some other breadcrumbs you know put down the path to uh lead you where you needed to go well, I think also that's part of the fun of the screenplay too, is that it's too easy. Like the boyfriend shows up and he's got a hoodie just like the killers. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, oh, it's him. Even even Scooter was like, just watch, it's going to be the boyfriend. And I'm, and it wasn't. And I was like, <laughs> aha, they they fooled yeah. you. Um, but the yep. uh, the other thing, and then we'll, we'll get to the kill that I think you're talking about, the sort of psycho moment, mm-hmm. which I also thought when you think back on the film – it's rather brilliant how they staged it. But the other thing that, that mm-hmm. subverted my expectations here that I actually enjoyed was how many times do we watch a horror film and we we think in ourselves, in our minds, why isn't this person fighting back? That's all you got? And let me tell you something. These girls or the people in this movie, they fucking fight back. And they fight back with their lives. Like you 150% see them exerting a lot of energy to defend themselves. And I absolutely love that about this film. No shrinking violets here. In fact, they're like I don't know who the fight choreographer is. I know the stunt the stunt coordinator is a woman named Eliza Coleman, who is the wife of Doug Coleman, who's one of my favorite stunt coordinators and stunt guys. But man, some of the fight scenes in this, I mean, like I said, it's nice to see victims like not just laying down and taking the knife. Like they fucking fight with every inch of their lives. And I I dug it. I totally dug it. Oh, yeah, I I, I uh, 100% agree. Um, Although I do think like, you know, of course, like most horror movies, you can point out like, oh, the victims are making dumb decisions. And that's why. But yeah, they're not. I I even like wrote on when I was like taking little notes here and there when I was watching. I was like, oh, no shrinking violets in this one. I had the exact same thing written down. 
my one question was, I was like, Final Girls used to be the, well, they were the, the norm for horror movies for like ever. Um, right. Going back to Friday the 13th and, and you know, Texas Chainsaw, all that, you have your final girl. So eventually, are we going to get to a point where we're going where a final guy is going to be considered to be going against type and like edgy? Like that, that's going to be like, oh man, the final guy made it. You know, yeah. like, are we going to go so far around where that's going to be the thing? Because this guy, you know, and he puts up a good fight too. I mean, I have to say, like every, like you said, each fight, um, kill went well. Even even the beginning when he was, he put up a he put up a little bit of a fight too. He didn't just go down, really, yeah. you know, um, quick and all. He did get sliced, uh, you know, which which is a very convenient, familiar trope with like I'm going to sneak up from behind and just slit your throat. But you know, he put up a lot of a good a good fight along the way and made some you know smart choices while he was doing it. Same thing with the girls. Parker is. Uh, she's got the one son and she starts grabbing everything she get a hold of. I'm like, that's brilliant. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, you're supposed <laughs> to take everything that you have around you and put it in between you and the person trying to attack you. Like that's, that's self-defense 101. She's chucking everything at him. I'm like, yeah, grab something else, grab something else. And then when she grabbed yeah. that, I'm like, what the heck? She, I thought it was a, just like a, you know, something that you put your utensils in that you're cooking with just like a little jar. I didn't realize it was like solid metal and she yeah. starts hauling off on him. And I'm like, Oh, it's stainless steel. Like he's going down. And I'm like, <laughs> if he gets up from this, I'm like, there's no way. And I'm like, and they, and the fact that they kept going with that was one of the, the pieces of gore that were in this, that I was like, you go girl. I'm like, you know, keep going. That's it. Don't well, stop. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's fantastic because then she does what some of the, some of the uh, horror victims in other films doesn't do is that yeah. she pulls the mask down. But at that point, she fucked up his face so much. It's like, what are we looking at? We're looking at spaghetti. Yeah, we're going like, to know who it is. <laughs> like, Although, we don't know who it is because yeah, you fucked his I face will up. Say, I went back and, and, and rewatched this just because I wanted to see if it was or it wasn't. And I'm not positive it was because, he, like you said, the makeup and everything and the, his, his face is screwed seven ways from Sunday. <laughs> And there's no way he ain't, he's not getting any dates to the prom anytime soon. <laughs> um, so he, I went to, <laughs> I went back and I watched the opening scene. So when they, when he gets texted, when um, character Tyler at the beginning is in the the supermarket and he's getting texted from behind where the mm -hmm. guy takes the, the picture of him. When you go, he goes back and he gives them the finger. Cause he's not sure who it is. I think the guy in the green shirt to the left who has the blonde hair, and yeah. the green like mask, it looks like it's the same mask. I, I didn't do that far of a deep dive to like no. screen side by side comparisons, but I think that was the son, and I think that was the guy that she beat in the head with the uh, thing. So yeah, yeah, the youngest. You wouldn't know so. it anyway, but yeah, that's. But she, yeah, she beat the living hell out of him, which is good. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's what she's. You know, too many times where it's like you said, where they they stop and they're like, oh, okay, he's not moving, but he's trying to end your life. You got yeah. two choices. You either finish the job or he's going to finish you. So, yes. Thank, and thank you for bringing that up. So I was going to say that as much as, you know, the leads here fight back and do all of that, Sco uh, Scooter and I were like, okay, no, no, no. Kill them until they're literally not breathing or heart beating. You've got to kill them and then move on because there, there is a lot of like, I think he's dead and he's down and I'm just going to get up and kind of do my mm -hmm. stuff. I know that even uh, goes, goes back to bite the um, killers in the, uh, in the butt too, because they, they make the same mistake with their victim. 
Right. Where he just goes over and goes, I think she's dead. Kicks her. And it's like, oh, not so fast. <laughs> yes. You know, so it's, it's, and that's a nice kind of, um, you know, play on the whole, like not checking to see if the killer's dead. Well, here's the killer being kind of dumb and saying, oh, I didn't check to make sure that the, the victim was dead. So it was a nice, you know, it's another thing where it's kind of like, oh, all right, you're, you're, you're bringing out all these tropes and all these stereotypes from past horror films, but you're kind of flipping them on their side a little bit and making this kind of like look at them from a different lens, which was cool, which is why, I mean, the more we talk about it, the more, you know, I, I, I really dug the heck out of this film. I mean, I, Actually, I really did. I'm glad you just said that because just even just discussing this and discussing some of the things in here, I like it even more than when I shut it off yesterday. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, you know, even the concept of the killer's mask being a pandemic mask was cool because like it could be anybody. We were all wearing those masks. We all went around wearing the same thing. We all look like each other to a certain degree. So you had that anonymity. So person wearing a mask can be anyone, which is wet or no one at all. We all looked weird because we all, we all had masks on. So we didn't look normal to begin with. Yeah. So I thought that that was a brilliant concept as well where like it's you know it's so it's all the horror tropes that you're used to seeing but again they're, they're kind of turned on their head and, and given to you in a fresh way to where if it's done lazily you're you go oh yeah i've been there done that but in this way they make it interesting enough and fresh enough to where you're like oh all right like i'm glad that's in there because it gives me that little hidden nostalgia but it shows it to me in a new way where i'm like all right i'm I'm glad you went in that direction. I didn't think I was going to be. So that subversion too, like made it more enjoyable. So it's like the cherry picked exactly the right things in, in, you know, my opinion to do exactly the way that it was done before to make it an homage, but then also picks something that they could have done in the exact same fashion and then did it from a different point of view or a different angle. And, you know, so I think it was, a, it, it just did it really well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gushing over it because I, the more I talk about it, like I said, I, it's just, I'm, I'm getting more hyped for it. I'm like, I'm going to watch it again. I want to show yeah. my daughter and, and say like, Hey, sit down and watch this. The other thing so, I was going to say was talk about, um, we're talking about the death of DJ, right? Where it looks like it's like, Oh, is it, is there, is, is there going to be this reveal that he's in on it? But then the, the spear goes, or actually I think it's a curtain rod goes right through him. Okay. So that was kind of ridiculous where i was like what what's going on with him where he's walking him with a with a a curtain rod or i guess it was a tapestry rod so it must have been extra strength but that was i said how is he walking him out like a marionette and then he's just kind of moving around so again suspension of disbelief because it was an awesome kill at the end and you get the pull through the chest You know, I'm going through and I'm like, logistically, I don't think that that's working the way that they think it's working. <laughs> yeah, that must have been a hella strong boy to to do that, right? But but you're right. He When he steps out, it's kind of like, why are his feet like that? Like, what's happening? But it's also kind of a shock because we think, again, we think, okay, well, the boyfriend did it because, like, we got stung with that with the new scream again. Um, but then it's kind of like, oh, shit, it's a psycho Spoiler, thing. Where- I didn't watch that. What? Oh, no. <laughs> I said spoiler. I didn't watch that. <laughs> oh shit! Sorry. Well, not That's really okay. a spoiler, Don't worry about so it. you should watch it. <laughs> no, it's just business as usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we also get the sort of like psycho aspect of like 
you know, oh, is the boyfriend going to live and is he going to save the girl and be a final guy like you talked about? But not so much, not so much. So, <laughs> But that's the fun thing about this this type of film um, and that they did everything in it so well because you ask yourself those questions where, you know, I mean, we're all smart marks right now as far as horror movie fans. We've all been through the gauntlet of horror movies, uh, everyone that, you know, we're friends with. So if a movie can do something where you're kind of like, all right, which direction are they going in? And you guess it wrong. That's it. I mean, that's like a badge of honor for any horror film that comes down the line, because if they can subvert your expectation and then deliver something that you probably wouldn't have thought of right off the bat. And, you know, kudos to them, because plenty of other movies try and fail, um, you know, miserably. Um, and this one, yeah, like, you know, I was, I wasn't sure really what was going on. I think the way it was shot, um, just on another level with not even playing the guessing game of, is he, you know, alive? Like I was pretty sure, okay, he's dead. You know, he's there, (laughs) you know, he's, when he opens that door, he's going to be dead. He's going to fall out. And then the killer is going to run after the girls. That's the, that's pretty much how things are going to unfold. Being a horror you know, watcher, you know, that's, that's probably what's coming most likely. Um, but then when he started moving, that was the, where your brain starts going, what am I looking at right now? You know, are they going to go with this? Like he's the killer thing. Like, all right. And so the way they pulled it off, it just, and the way it was shot made because your brain was kind of confused as to what direction it was going, but then also the way that it looked, it was really unsettling. You know, whoever was responsible for either writing that scene, um, whether it was, you know, Williamson or uh, Crab, and yeah. whoever you know shot it, shot the heck out of it. I think they did a good, good job in, especially in that scene. It's a really uneasy feeling scene. Is the best way I could put it. Yeah, I think I'm changing my opinion and saying it's not a lesser Williamson. It's a on the level of a scream Williamson. So. <laughs> There you go. I, I, yeah. listen, I'm, I think uh, this thing wears its, you know, hard on sleeve as far as being an, um, you know, uh, like a even like a ghost face uh, Friday the 13th, like amalgamation. But, um, yeah, I think it's definitely as strong as as either of those. Um, yeah. The more we talk about it, because I'm like, you know, I started questioning at the beginning, like, eh, you know, get this homage and that homage. But it really isn't just an homage. They need to come up with a new word. Because it's, you know, it's in, it, it does it, but does it a little bit differently, but it's still familiar. It's so, I, yeah, I, a, the more, let's, let's call it a diversified celebration of horror. <laughs> we'll call it that. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so I guess, yep. I guess we'll our final verdicts, film. either way, I guess our final verdicts are, uh, it's a hard watch from both of us. I guess we can definitely call it a hard watch. How about that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for guesting. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I think the more we talk about it, the more we do love this more and more. And maybe people need to give it a shot. Yeah, I would definitely say that they, you know, it will be time well spent, especially if you're, you know, a, a slasher fan. Definitely give it a shot. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised uh, because it brings brings the goods in more ways than one. 
Excellent. Excellent. All right, man. Well, hopefully we, uh, we're going to try to get you back onto, um, a watch get plus episode at some point in 2023. Thanks again for guesting. Well, first off, you know, thanks for having me back on. Um, it's always a pleasure. Um, I hope I can, you know, come back soon. Life is always, and I'm sure, you know, you're one of the busiest people that I know on the planet. So, uh, it's just, We've got uh, some uh, things going on right now um, at home. Um, I'm about to welcome another uh, grandchild into the world with my daughter. Um, ah, she uh, is going to be due any day now. So um, in between now and um, the 11th of February, she's due, but she could really go at any time. So <laughs> we got that going on. Um, my uh, uh, other granddaughter um, is a little bit over one years old and loves spending uh, the night at our house. So we, uh, I'm busy with her and then, you know, regular work and the normal stuff that everybody else on the planet's got to go through. So trying to fit all that in and then, you know, make time to, to do some hobbies is, is always the, that's the struggle, right? So yep, that's I'm always hoping, the juggle. You know, potentially like, yeah, later on down the road, um, you know, this year, hopefully I get a little bit more free time. Um, once the, the dust settles, um, after the, you know, the, or the new baby comes and we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. But I mean, in the interim, I, I always enjoy coming on with you guys. It's like, you know, my, my second home right now where like you guys always make me feel welcome. We'll see if there's, you know, some other podcasts in the future, maybe that I'll, I'll reach out to or reach out to me. And, um, if not, then I can always make some on my own, but, uh, yeah. Awesome. Until Thank then. you so much again. <laughs> Thank you so much. And congratulations on the new granddaughter. <laughs> yep. no thank you so much for uh for having me again and um yeah like i said hopefully i'll be talking to you soon awesome all right everybody get out to the theaters although we talked about streaming but get out to the theaters support exhibition thanks everyone mm-hmm.